I love editing. Yeah. I really do because I, I think that all of the challenges of a film can roll downhill throughout the process of filmmaking and they can't roll downhill anymore when they're in the edit room. By me doing this, by me actually living out, by me actually pursuing, that someone else is inspired to pursue whatever their dream is. In a nutshell, we're basically an advocate for your film in terms of connecting your film to media and audiences that will appreciate your vision and champion it. Do you think you'd ever have a difficult time breaking out of character? It could happen, definitely it could happen, but it, I wouldn't let it happen for too long because I don't want people to think I'm actually crazy. We'd have blow-up dolls and, you know, we'd bring people on the stage and, like, how many sex positions can you make with this blow-up doll in 30 <laughs> seconds? You know what I'm saying? we give them a free t-shirt or whatever. Everyone on this set, for example, has an equal role that is just as valuable. It doesn't matter, man, if someone in the building is cleaning the floor, you know, if there's an executive producer, you know, um, you know, at the a certain level it doesn't matter we're all here for the story you know you have to be fearless you have to remember you literally only got one shot in life it's either you do what you want to do for the rest of your life or you don't do what you want to do for the rest of your life you only have two options and the journey is so great good evening folks and welcome to the cinema after dark podcast my name is max cole and i am the host and producer of this show I'm broadcasting from the entertainment capital of the world, sunny Los Angeles, California. The sun has set and the moonlight is upon us. Thanks so much for joining me on this broadcast tonight. I want to remind you that you can listen to all of the episodes of this show if you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. You can also find us on Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play. Remember, if you or someone you know wants to be a guest on this show, make sure you reach out to me via the contact link on our website, Please make sure you have some skin in the game prior to reaching out. And by skin in the game, you need to have a few credits under your belt. We certainly value that for credibility. I also strongly encourage you to follow us on Twitter at Cinema After Dark for the latest show updates. I want to remind everyone that this is an information and discussion-based show. We do not censor ourselves or censor our guests. So please keep in mind that the views and opinions expressed on the show may not reflect the views and opinions of the host. We've got a wonderful, wonderful guest tonight by the name of Lanier McDonald. And let me tell you a little bit about Miss McDonald. Lanier McDonald is the founder and head publicist for Film Sprites PR, a publicity and digital media consultancy for independent films. Since 2014, Film Sprites PR has provided publicity and digital marketing services for films around the world at any stage of production. Driven by a lifelong passion for film, Lanier and her team strive to connect independent filmmakers to audiences and media globally by fusing traditional PR practices with new and innovative digital marketing strategies. I am thrilled to have Miss MacDonald on tonight's program, my gosh, I really think publicity is a very important part of this whole indie film thing. So this is that part of the show where I ask that you make that fresh batch of popcorn, sit back, relax, get a little comfortable while you listen to tonight's guest. Welcome to the Cinema After Dark 
Podcast Lanier. I am so thrilled you're able to hang out with us this evening. And it's funny because it's evening here. And what time is it where you're at? Uh, it's four o'clock here. My God. Wild. Crazy. And I believe you are in the future, correct? I am. It's Friday. So yeah, very much in the future here. <laughs> that is quite Awesome. But I really appreciate again, you know, you stopping by and hanging out with us. You are doing some fantastic stuff out there, especially for the independent film community. And, you know, it's so nice to have you on the program. So, yeah, again, thanks again for coming on the show. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's it's a real pleasure to be on here. My God. Well, it is a pleasure to have you. And, you know, I like to start these conversations by sort of rewinding a bit and going back in time here and you know, give our listeners some context. Would you mind sharing where you were born and raised and how you got started in the entertainment industry? Sure. Well, um, born and raised in Christchurch, New Zealand. We're on the um, little sort of of the South Island. It's this little knoblet that you can see on the map. And yeah. um, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> it's been hit by earthquakes the past couple of years. So that hasn't been hasn't been so great. But uh, yeah, I um. So born and raised in, in Christchurch, New Zealand. My mum is actually Australian and my dad is is a Kiwi. So I sort of grew I grew up with a little bit of a strange accent because yeah, with my mum she had a very strong Australian accent. So I get mistaken for being Australian quite often. I could see uh, that. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but I've always had a, a you know, had a passion for film from a very young age. It was pretty much the background of of growing up and because of the fact that it was, you know, such a fabric of my life. Yeah. I never really considered having film as a career because it just seemed like that was such a, you know, such a far-fetched idea. Wow. But I yeah, I sort of grew up doing a lot of writing. I was writing from a very young age and doing freelance journalism from, oh gosh, about the age of 16, 17. And so I, I learned about, you know, how the media works and, and seeing things from that point of view and, and that side of things. And, you know, I sort of, I went through school just, you know, doing what you do, getting the grades and things like that. But at the end of high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. Yeah. And so I, I went into a teaching degree. Oh, yeah. Thinking, mm-hmm. yeah, I went into a teaching degree thinking that it was, you know, it, it would be a good fit. Yeah. But the, the only thing was every Thursday when they had new release films out at the cinema, I'd be skipping my classes to go and see the film. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so that, that should have given me a, a little bit of an indication. And at that stage, the Lord of the Rings trilogy had just started rolling out. Yeah. And I remember seeing The Fellowship of the Ring at the cinema. I actually ended up seeing it uh, 10 times at the cinema. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, and it was just so, so inspiring to me. But again, you know, I sort of I ended up limping through my 20s, really just sort of living but not existing and doing the nine to five and, you know, going and seeing films, talking about films, you name it. Wow. I did I did a degree at the University of Canterbury when I was 26. Yeah. I managed to do it in a two and a half years instead of the three. That's awesome. Yeah, I because I didn't end up finishing the teaching degree funnily enough. Yeah, yeah. So so I you know I got my my degree but it was in history and mm. I had a minor in media and communications. But again still didn't think that you know that I could have a career in film, put that on the back burner. Yeah. I think 
think that's and, common, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's very common. Yeah. And then the Christchurch quake hit. Yikes. Yeah, the first one was in September 2010, and that wasn't so bad. But then the we had the one in 2011 that was was devastating. Yeah. Fortunately, I ended up with um, PTSD as a result. Oh, geez, I can imagine. And so, so, and you know, it's nothing to be ashamed about. So many people have gone through it, but it got to the point where I just completely gave up on things. And the only time that I'd leave the house was to actually go and see films. Yeah. And then to the point where I sort of, enough was enough. I decided, okay, I'm going to see a therapist. Yeah. This was in lie of 2012 by the way before you get there before you get to where were you at when the quake hit because i know a lot of people who haven't you know experienced earthquakes we have out here and it's definitely traumatizing to say the least so i can see where ptsd would be an issue for sure as you know it's they're just spooky man they're unpredictable but where were you at when it happened well i was actually uh, at the time we were living in the central city which was called the yeah, it was called the red zone because there was so much devastation there. And I'd actually come home from this from the central city to our um, flat 15 minutes before the quake struck. Holy cow. Yeah. And I actually, when I was walking, I was walking through a little park that backs onto a conference center. And there were some people outside having, you know, having coffee and things like that. And it turns out they were there was a urology conference there, so there were doctors from all over the world mm-hmm. at this conference, and those doctors would be the ones that would actually help with the earthquake recovery and and you know assisting with medical attention you know straight away. Wow, it's cool that they were there. Oh, absolutely! But it was pretty horrific. They we had helicopters flying over, you know, constantly. There was a cordon around. The central city. There was a, you know, a curfew. We Jeez. had, yeah, we had military personnel from all over the world at different, you know, different points. There were sort of, you know, checkpoints where you had to have photo ID and proof of residency to get in and out of the out of the red zone. Oh um, my. For the, yeah, for the first couple. Jeez, that's yeah. like a scene out of a movie. There. It really was. It was, um, yeah, it was pretty pretty scary. But wow. then the the first day that I saw the therapist, she turned around and said to me, do you know when you speak about film, your eyes light up? Do you think you wow. want to pursue a career in film? And I went, oh, no, 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 because at that stage it just, you know, again, I thought, oh, I couldn't couldn't possibly do that. No, no, no. And that <laughs> night I actually, there was a, a screening of National Theatre Live's Frankenstein. Um, National Theatre in the UK actually broadcast performances wow. of their play worldwide and this one was directed by Danny Boyle mm, yeah of course did Slumdog Millionaire yeah. Trainspotting yeah and I'm sitting there in this little cinema you know by the seaside and it's a tiny quaint independent cinema that it's been around for years and years watching this performance and it was like a lightning bolt I just was so inspired and so moved I suddenly went you've got to do something you you can't just you know you can't just keep limping through life you have got to do something in film wow yeah and so you know it took a bit of time and i went and did my pr certification and things like that did some networking but now we've got film sprites pr and and that as a result of you know just following that dream and following that inspiration wow that is powerful what a 
it's a hell of a story right there. That's uh, <laughs> I'm sure that's the the quick version of it, but still, that's quite inspiring to say the least. It's interesting how life puts you in different directions, and you know, I think what it's meant to be, you still end up on the right path. You know, I especially if you make the choice to, because there's a lot of people who don't. It's good to hear that you know you are making the choice to do what you love and what inspires you. And I have to ask you what the film community, especially the independent film communities like in your neck of the woods, is there a community there that's somewhat supportive? Is it non-existent? What is it like? It's it's a, it's a good little community. It's very tight-knit. Everyone seems to know everybody, which is a very good thing because, you know, you have the media, you know, media personalities and things like that 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 know the filmmakers and, you know, it's it's good and there's so many creative people out there doing things but you know funding is definitely an issue yeah you know and that can be you know it can be pretty pretty heartrending when you know there's no subsidies available and and things like that hmm. and it was actually my choice to to seek work outside of New Zealand initially because there were more opportunities yeah you know but as things have grown I've started to get to know the the film community here in New Zealand and get to know you know the the PR companies here and you know the media which has been great so I've sort of had this this fantastic advantage where you know I'm getting to know all these amazing people and I can connect them to my clients as well when a film comes to New Zealand which we had one at the start of this year that actually came to New Zealand so you know that was really wonderful to be able to you know showcase something from outside of New Zealand in New Zealand and work with the New Zealand media and you know people like that wow you know on home turf for once you know yeah. it was great yeah there's there a lot of filmmakers there and uh what about actors too I've always been curious yeah I mean my my cousin is actually an actor um oh, cool. Yeah. So he's been in the industry longer than I have. I mean, he was acting when we were teenagers, wow. but he's over in LA and he studied at, I think it was, um, one of, the film schools. One of them, one of them, uh, one of the big uh, schools in, in New York. Ah. So, so hmm. a lot of the, a lot of the Kiwi actors do sort of tend to go overseas because the opportunities are there. Yeah. But they have their start here in New Zealand and quite often they'll, you know, they'll work on New Zealand films as well. So that there's that crossover, you know, they never, ever forget where they came from. And that's the one beautiful thing about, you know, New Zealand filmmakers and New Zealand actors is that we are, you know, they're just so down to earth. Yeah. You know, we just we just always have been. We're just really, really down to earth people, and um, you know, you tend to get you tend to get a bit of you know a bit of grief if you if you <laughs> if you people people will make sure that you're grounded uh-huh. because that's just, that's just the way we are. It's it's very much the um you know the Kiwi attitude yeah. is that you know we're not up ourselves. We're very very chilled out, very relaxed. You know, I've heard that from several people that I've spoken with. From your neck of the woods, that is very cool to hear. I've always heard that. It's like a common thread that I've heard that everyone's really chill and laid back, a lot of good people. That's really fascinating. Hmm. Interesting. I guess uh, I need to experience that. That's uh, pretty cool to say the least. Wow. Interesting. So the film community, uh, I mean, it sounds like an area where basically you can make a bigger splash in a smaller pond 
if you really work at it and really network and get connected with people who are sort of like-minded and doing the same things. But in the same sense, I think a lot of the people are looking to do more and often have to kind of branch out and seek opportunities elsewhere. I guess that kind of is, is the uh, overall look and perspective of the community there. Yeah, and I think I think it's the same with Australia as well, because yeah. you look at the you know, the filmmakers and the actors that have branched out. I mean, one example is Justin Kurtzel, who, mm-hmm. you know, did Assassin's Creed yeah. and Macbeth. I mean, his first film, Snowtown, was a critical success. Yeah. Um, absolutely fantastic. Um, terrifying, but fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, he's, you know, he's managed to, you know, crack into into the international market and make a splash in that way. The same with Taika Waititi. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, you know, doing Thor Ragnarok, but Hunt for the Wilder People has just been such a massive success overseas. There's something, something about the film that has really resonated with audiences everywhere. And I think it's because of the fact that, you know, he's just got such a fantastic sense of humor and he's, he's just such a, a, just a wonderful, wonderful creative person. I actually had the the privilege of going to a um, screening with a Q and A. Oh, nice. Yeah, of Hunt for the Wilder People with Taika, Sam Neill, and Julian Dennison. Nice. He was just, you know, they were they were, they were all wonderful, absolutely wonderful. But um, if the publicist hadn't have pulled Taika aside and said, "Come on, we're going to get going," literally would have stayed there until he had taken selfies with every person that wanted one. Oh my, that's so awesome! That is fantastic. Yeah. People aren't is, like that yeah. nowadays. I'd love that. He is. He's just fantastic. And um, so yeah, I think I think we sort of we start here and we spread our wings overseas, but but yeah. we never forget where we from and it's you know same with the Australian actors you look at Hugh Jackman oh, yeah. I mean he's just so down to earth absolutely you know, he's such a huge star but still so down to earth same with Chris Hemsworth and yep. same with our guys you know Carlo Barn yeah <laughs> and you know Sam Neill they're you know just great people and I think it's definitely it's the it's the Antipodean spirit really you know it's because it's because we get so much sunshine I think (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome though I love that that's that's what it's all about right there now I also noticed that you're a fan of Marvel did you read a lot of comic books growing up and I need to ask you if you have any favorite characters too you know I have to (laughs) oh yeah I did actually as a kid you know it's funny because when I was really really young I lived close to my cousins my cousin actually who was an actor now yeah he's the same age as me so he's a month younger and our you know our younger cousin we would actually buy these these bags of comics they were just all bundled up all different types DC and Marvel awesome and my you know my mum and my aunt would take the comics and spread them evenly between the three of us but it was kind of unfair because they would give me all the ones with the female superheroes <laughs> you know, and, and i'm sort of going but that's not fair you know because they were getting batman and and uh you know iron man and things like that and i was getting she hulk and you know oh, titan and things like that so um yeah <laughs> and you know, as a teen, I would read a lot of graphic novels, so things like Elfquest and, you know, some of the Neil Gaiman, like Sandman and things like that. But yeah, I, um, I just, I think Marvel is great, and I think you know the the stories that they've they're telling now, even you know, even the the latest editions of the comics that they've got out, like yeah. Loki, Agent Asgard. That's you know, it's really clever and very you know, very gripping. Yeah, but, um, yeah. You know, it's it's great yeah i think it's awesome what do you think about the evolution of comic books from print to screen i mean i think it's 
really great. As you said, it's just kind of um, amazing how big they've become and also how three-dimensional the world is now. I mean, you're talking about two-dimensional material that's just brought into this 3D world. And now there's like no limitations to what Hollywood can really do with these amazing uh these superheroes, I guess, for the lack of better words. I mean, they're superheroes, villains, just uh, really cool stories. I think they're almost like they're champion stories. They are. They're people who have had interesting things happen and overcome them for the most part. And then you see the other side of that, too, with comics. But yeah, what do you think about the evolution of comic books in general from uh, print to screen? Well, I think, you know, it's really sort of hit its stride and, you know, some would say it's hit critical mass and, and that, you know, the genre is is just dead. But I think it had to come along at the right time where people were open and responsive to it. And, yeah. you know, you look you look at, you know, we had we had the success of, you know, like Tim Burton's Batman and and, you know, those were always going to be successful because Batman sort of, you know, he's one of the main sort of, you know, DC characters. Yeah. Whereas some that that may not have been as popular, they basically had to bide their time. And But I think, <laughs> you know, we got Iron Man in 2008 and it just seemed to be the right time. And I think it's something that, that people have responded to because of the outside factors, you know, the, the geopolitical, the, you know, things that are going on and have been going on since the turn of the century. And, you know, if if people want to escape into the cinema and live in that world for two two hours, two and a half hours, then by all means do that. If that's what's, you know, if that's what's going to give you hope, then yeah, by all means do it. And, right. you know, I, th I think it's really been a platform that has actually given the filmmakers themselves a lot of scope as well, because there are so many different storylines within the Marvel verse that, that they could have, you know, pulled threads from. And so it's always interesting when a new character is is picked up for a film or introduced into the Marvel verse from the comics. Right. To see, you know, what sort of storyline they're going to, you know, what they're going to use straight from the, you know, the canon and what they're going to, you know, play around with, twist, reinvent, that sort yeah. of thing. You yeah. know, so so it's got a it's got a dual sort of a you know dual enjoyment for people because you know there's the people that love the comics, there's the people that love the comics and the films, and there's people that have never actually read the comics that can enjoy the films and maybe perhaps go back and and read the comics later and be introduced to you know to the storylines through that. So you know, I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah, me too. By the way, I'm probably the last. I'm actually the person that I think I used to read comics, but then I stopped at an early age and now i'm really getting back into them because of the explosion of just wonderful <laughs> movies that have come out and i feel like you know with marvel movies and just superhero movies in general that's the type of films that you want to go to the theater and experience like i i believe like it was just made for that whole theater surround sound big screen experience don't you oh absolutely and i mean especially with doctor strange that yeah. was just oh yeah I, I knew it was going to be good. I just didn't realize it was going to be that good. Yeah, it visually. Just visually, it was just breathtaking. Yeah. And, you know, I'd been watching a lot of what Scott Derrickson had been saying on Twitter and just sort of trying to trying to get his vibe before the film came out so that I could sort of, you know, understand where he was going to go with it. And then yeah. he sort of took my expectations and completely blew them out of the park. Right. So. 
you know, it was. It was absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people you know. feel that way, actually. That's, that's a great point. Yeah, just amazing. That's I think that sums it up right there. Just simply amazing. And there's some interesting stuff on the horizon, too, as well. So, oh, God, a lot to look forward to, don't you think? I mean... Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, absolutely. I'm so, really looking forward to um, Black Panther as well. Yeah, me too. Uh, Ooh, that's going to be good. Yeah, no doubt about that. Gosh, oh, you're getting me all excited <laughs> here. It's <laughs> good stuff. Now, speaking of films in general, and particularly because we're an indie film show, I'd love to know what types of movies you like to watch. I know you like the comic stuff and the, the Marvel stuff, but do you have a favorite genre in general? Like, what's what's Lanier watching when she's winding down after a productive day? I actually really love documentaries. Nice. Yeah, they're yeah. great. There's been a lot of good ones lately, haven't there? Oh, there's been so many fantastic documentaries the past few years. And um, I just find, I don't know what it is about them, but I just find that it's a, yeah, it's a real source of, of inspiration for me. I think it's because of the fact that I have trouble switching my brain off. <laughs> so in order to in order to relax if I'm actually learning something it sort of helps a little bit <laughs> So, yeah, I think there's been some incredible documentaries that have come out. And actually, New Zealand has has produced some some really good documentaries the past few years as well, which is just wonderful. Yeah. I think, you know, it, it's good to be able to, you know, to share that with the world. But it's, yeah, it's a genre that has always intrigued me because... <sighs> You know, in one sense, it's factual, but then by the same token, it's through the filter of the, you know, the documentary filmmaker as well. And, right. you know, there are times where it, things are so unexpected that a documentary that started out as, as one thing takes another turn because of, you know, the events that are happening in the, in the film. And, you know, it is, it's a really great genre and there are some absolutely fantastic documentary filmmakers out there that... You know, they just constantly bring it and, you know, their work is just really enjoyable. Right. You know, it's fascinating you bring that up. I'm also a fan of documentaries. But one of the things that's interesting about them is how much work goes into them, because a lot of times with these documentary films, the filmmakers are spending years. I mean, I know filmmakers who spend like 10 plus years literally shooting and forming this story that often changes shape and form years later. And the dedication and the sacrifice that goes into a documentary is so different sometimes from, you know, just your, your typical film where you get a screenplay and, you know, you can maybe be shooting and get everything done within a certain amount of weeks or months. It's crazy how much time goes into documentary uh, film production. It really is. And it's, you know, it's such a, it's such a love story as well. Yeah. You know, sort of the amount of dedication that goes into it. And, you know, it's not always easy. I mean, nope. you know, Things can happen that you just don't expect. Yeah. Yeah, it's it is. It's a really great genre to to watch because especially lately and even I think with Netflix, they've acquired a lot of fantastic great documentaries. Documentaries, yeah. Really, really good documentaries. And yeah. the I mean the beauty of that is that because it's on Netflix, it's reaching, you know, a, a wider audience that may not have had that much exposure to documentaries or not even considered watching documentaries. Absolutely. You know, I I think uh, we got Netflix 
uh, a couple of months ago, maybe a month ago. Yeah. Because we'd been putting it off and putting it off, but and <laughs> you know we we finally got it. And, you caught the bug. Uh-oh. Oh, caught the bug, <laughs> and I was just astounded by the quality of the documentaries. Yeah. And I just I devoured you know so many documentaries in one go because oh, they my. were just so good. Yeah. So good. Yeah, the material is just crazy good, crazy, crazy good. And I think, you know, these documentaries are so personal, too. These stories are so personalized and they kind of hit close to home. Some of them is people can relate to some of the stuff that's obviously being featured in the documentaries and some of the topics and the subject matter. It's just uh, fascinating. You learn so many new things from documentaries. I think that's part of it, too. It's not just, you know, you're watching something. It's not popcorn fun. It's more or less uh, kind of like an experience and you're kind of drawn into the stories. So. Yeah, I love documentary filmmaking. It's it's certainly an art that I've grown to appreciate too over the years. So it's cool hearing your perspective of that. I appreciate you sharing that. And Lanier, I wasn't going to take a break, but I think we'll take a short break here because I do kind of want to switch gears here and get into the genesis of your company, Film Sprites PR. And I want to give you a chance to reset and give our listeners a chance to reset and then come back from the break and kind of dive back into this discussion. And yeah, I've, oh God, I think we've got some wonderful information to share. How does that sound to you? That sounds great. Okay, great. Well, hang tight here, miss. We're going to take a short break here, ladies and gentlemen, and then we'll be back with Lanair McDonald. My gosh, what a great discussion this is after this break. So hang tight, folks. We'll be right back. back to the program here tonight we are continuing a wonderful discussion with Lanier McDonald and my gosh she's been enlightening us on life inside of her side of the world especially within the independent film community and some of her interests and wow what a fascinating discussion it is but for this half of the discussion I do want to switch gears here a bit Lanier and talk about the genesis of of your company, Film Sprites PR. First and foremost, what was the inspiration behind the creation of this wonderful company? It was definitely the lightning bolt moment in the theater. <laughs> As for, you know, the way that it is now, I knew that I wanted to work in film, but I wasn't entirely sure where to work in film. I knew I wasn't interested in working in front of the camera. I definitely have a face that's, you know, more suited behind the camera, probably, you know, two states over away from the camera oh, sort of geez. thing. <laughs> so, you know, I'd always had... My gosh. <laughs> I, I'd always had an interest, you know, in, in doing something, you know, behind the camera and having a communications background where I was, you know, doing freelance journalism as a teenager. You know, I knew how the media worked and, and things like that and had an interest in, in social media and was, was quite savvy with it as well. So after doing my PR certification, I was freelancing and not really getting any bites. And, you know, it just sort of got to the point in, in 2014 where I just decided, you know what, if you're going to make this happen, you've got to make it happen for yourself. Yeah. I had 
no seed money whatsoever. I didn't have a business plan. Note to anybody listening, please have a business plan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, please. Hilarious. You're anything, have, have seed money and a business plan. Yeah. I actually, I went online um, in April because I'd been networking with some filmmakers in the UK. Oh. It all just started with a tweet. Wow. Simply said, are there any filmmakers out there that want, you know, publicity and digital marketing assistance for their films? Let yeah. me know. At the end of that day, I had three people interested. By the end of the weekend, it was six. And by the end of that month, there were 12. What? Nice. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Crazy from a tweet. Are you kidding me? That is yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so it, it basically almost happened by accident, really. So then it was a case of having to work backwards and build a company from there. Yeah. You know, and put in all put in place all the things that you really should have before you, you know, do something the way I did it. <laughs> That's awesome <laughs> but, that you dove in and, you know, learned yeah, some things. Yeah. And, well, please continue. Well, I don't want to interrupt you there. It's fantastic. So, yeah. And from there, it's sort of, you know, I built it as a consultancy, freelance consultancy. Nice. And now we've got, you know, freelancers that I can call on in New Zealand and the UK, you know, and they're very supportive and I'm incredibly supportive of them. So it's, yeah, it's been great. And we've, you know, we've worked with filmmakers all over the world, the Netherlands, UK, US, Australia, Canada, and, you know, we've worked with Emmy Award winners, films oh, that, amazing. filmmakers, yeah, filmmakers that have had their films debut at the, the London Film Festival. Yeah. Yeah. And so- wow. It's it's been great, and we've worked with filmmakers at all you know the whole spectrum of production. So pre-production, crowdfunding him, you know, campaigns, giving them PR and digital marketing support for that. The video on demand releases, cinematic wow. releases, yeah. So it's been really exciting, and I think, gosh, we've we've raised thousands of dollars in you know in money for crowdfunding campaigns, which. Yeah, I want to you know, talk that, about that. But let me yeah. cut you off here for a second because <laughs> let me give people some context here because this is just no small feat here. It's pretty magnificent what you've been able to uh, accomplish. And first, let me read your company visions so that our listeners can have a little bit of context. And then we'll dive into some of the stuff that you touch base on because I think it's important for individuals to understand, you know, some of the benefits of and the services that you offer because there's a lot of people that might be listening to this podcast and just have no clue what good PR can uh, do for you, just publicity in general, the, how much helpful it can be. It's, it's such a tremendous uh, vehicle, no doubt about that, and, and really quite necessary. So let me read your vision. It states that our mission is to provide publicity and digital marketing that is at the forefront of the new digital age, incorporating traditional PR, publicity practices, and traditional forms of media with social media and digital marketing strategies. Now, would you briefly rewind just a little bit here? I'm going to slow you down so that people can really consume how this can help mm -hmm. them. Would you mind kind of describing the services that you provide? Because I really do think there's some individuals listening to this podcast that may need a better understanding of the services and the benefits of reaching out and connecting with someone like you. Sure. Well, in a nutshell, we're basically an advocate for your film in terms of connecting your film to media and audiences that will appreciate your vision and champion it. And that means connecting your film through press kits, press releases, reaching out to media, both traditional and bloggers, podcasts and websites. Right. 
so that we can secure features, interviews, reviews, because they all make an impact. They're all highly, highly valuable, especially for independent filmmakers. But also we team that with the digital marketing strategy, which is you know building your audience online right. through through our social media channels. And we can also assist you with your own social media channels as well, if that's what people are interested in doing. And we've done that a couple of times. So we've been tweeting on their accounts as well as our own. And and things like that. So it's a dual strategy, really. It's the traditional PR, which usually entails, you know, doing a press kit and getting interviews, reviews and features, you know, in the traditional media and online media. But then you've also got the audience building, which especially for independent films, it's just, it's such an asset. Yeah, yeah, it is. You're the vehicle behind generating the buzz. <laughs> <laughs> and we all need buzz, that's for sure, because these films, they're often not seen by as many people as we'd like to have watched them. And it's hard to gain support out there. And it's really nice to have a go to for some of the things that are necessary from a marketing standpoint with a film. I mean, it's so, so critical. I mean, it's actually probably where a lot of uh, independent filmmakers and, and especially even bigger studios spend most of their money you know you've got you know that that initial release or whatnot but then from there you've got to put some money into marketing your film if you want people to see it but not only that there's the things like writing a good press release i mean there's a lot of people who don't write good and don't write well enough to represent themselves in the public and i think that's really important to talk to someone like you that can really kind of guide them in the right direction so it's interesting hearing, you know, some of the services that you offer because I, I really don't think a lot of filmmakers quite get that. And not just filmmakers, but actors and anybody who needs a little bit of publicity that's working in the, the film industry, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the one thing that, that people don't even think about in pre-production is the fact that they need to start thinking about their publicity and building their audience from day one. Absolutely. Especially with independent films. Some of the most successful independent films that, you know, have raised, you know, thousands of dollars in crowdfunding and been, you know, cult hits, Iron Sky, Kung Fury, things like that. Yeah. You know, they had they had an audience that was inbuilt because they worked on it. Right. And if you have your publicity, even just thinking about it, thinking about where you're going to go with it in pre-production, it means that by the time you get to post-production and you're ready to perhaps, you know, take it to the American film market to seek distribution and things like that, it means that you've, you know, you're on the right foot because you've got all those things there. You've, you know, you've got a one sheet that you can pass out to people at the AFM. You've got a an electronic press kit that's, you know, says everything that's um, going to entice people to want to watch the film or, you know, do an interview or a feature, that sort of thing. And it's, I think people tend to think that publicity comes at the end of production, but it's really, it really should start sort of, you know, when you're thinking about all the other aspects of your film. Oh, that's a great point right there. I think some independent filmmakers make the assumption that there's no point in having publicity for an independent film because they think that it, you know, it has to be like a studio big studio blockbuster and it's it's just one of those things I think there's a lot of misperceptions there that filmmakers have going into it thinking that their little project may not be able to draw the type of buzz necessary to really you know generate some uh, interest what are your thoughts about that i i because I, I think that is a misperception don't you it really is and i think the thing is they think that 
there is no point. But in actual fact, you know, having publicity for your independent film is a huge advantage because when you think about the big studios, you know, they have the advantage of you know, these massive marketing machines, but they also have the advantages where they've got name actors that, you know, people will, you know, drop everything to see or, you know, like a franchise film, things like that. So, you know, they they have that advantage there. Whereas with the independents, you know, maybe you don't have a name actor or, you know, there's other things that, that you may not have that, that the big studios have at their disposal. But it doesn't mean that you can't get that sort of, you know, generate that sort of awareness and and connection with your audience around your film. And I think it's vital because it just means that, you know, you build your audience from day one so that you can guarantee that there's going to be, you know, you're going to be able to connect with your audience and and get them to, to see your film and talk about the film. But also it means that in terms of distribution, you know, you've got that um, advantage there so that you can go to Cannes or you can go to AFM and, you know, play with the big boys, as it were, and actually, you know, make an impact. And I see my role in particular as being an advocate for these films because of the fact that I know what it's like to, you know, to want to to share your vision. And, you know, independent filmmakers are so resilient and so creative yeah. that, you know, they deserve assistance. And, you know, built into what we do is very much a support system where they know that they can call on me if they have any queries or, you know, that there's something that they're, that, you know, they need help with, something pops up that they didn't expect or, you know, so, so they've got a support system there. And especially with crowdfunding as well, because that can be quite anxiety inducing if you've never done it before so you know i'm sort of there able to reassure them about process of things guide them through it and you know help them raise the funds that they need so that they can move on to the next step with their film that's interesting to say that yeah you've helped a number of filmmakers with their crowdfunding campaigns so um wow it's awesome that you are out there as a resource it's so so vital and it's cool that you saw that need and you know we're able to you know provide the uh you know those types of service i think it's it's fantastic so i'm gonna give you a scenario here Lanier. so say you know i'm a filmmaker and you know i won a few awards at a festival circuit and mm, she or he whoever that filmmaker is reaches out to you what happens next would you mind kind of taking us through your process so that a potential client can gain just a little bit better understanding of the process and what's required from them i mean briefly speaking yeah, obviously we don't give away all the goods but, <laughs> <laughs> but just briefly speaking so that it's not so intimidating and you know maybe they could see how simple it is just to reach out and what they have to do yeah certainly so when a filmmaker gets in touch with us the first thing that we do is actually set up a skype call and that way the filmmaker can you know can talk through where they're at with their film because quite often we get filmmakers at, at various stages of production sometimes it's you know, pre-production, sometimes it's crowdfunding and sometimes it's, you know, they're ready to release it. So I go through with, you know, what their goals are for not only for their film, but in terms of where they would like to, you know, to see exposure, you know, in terms of the media, but also, you know, their own personal goals. I think that's really important because, you know, as, you know, as I know myself, you know, having that broader vision means that you've got something, you know, you've got something clear to aim for. So I'm a little bit different in than say a traditional PR firm where, you know, they would have targets and, and, you know, look at the crunch, the numbers and things. We're a little bit more 
grassroots and organic here nice. because it's a bit more relaxed than than you know traditional PR, but we still get the results. Nice, but nice. yeah, it's because it, it can be quite daunting. You know, there's. Yeah, I I just chuck all the PR speak and everything out the window, and it's just <laughs> it's just a really inf- it's just a really informal conversation, and that Love way that. we can also we can also see where you're at in terms of your filmmaking as well, where yeah. you see yourself going, because that way you know we're able to set things up so that you know it's securing you know publicity for you that you can actually use going forward into say the next production. Yeah. That you you know you can show people on your website, hey, we were there, we were interviewed by this person, and you know, so even though we may be working on you know publicity for say the just the one film, I like to make sure that you've got a really good grounding, and that also you know you're able to you know even if you don't you know if you don't call us again for the next film, that you know you've got all that knowledge and you're empowered going forward. That's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Make sure it's a fulfilling experience. Yeah. Now, do you watch the films sometimes that the filmmaker may uh, want to uh, gain a little publicity on? Do you ask to watch them? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's vital because I've got a very strict policy here that we don't cover anything that is, you know, racist, sexist, ableist. Nice. And especially I have a very firm policy that I won't. I won't cover anything that portrays mental illness with, you know, with a stereotype like, you know, the escaped mental patient. Ah, yeah. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very firm on that because I'm an advocate for erasing the stigma around mental health. So that's, yeah. And it's, it also, it gives me a sense of, you know, the filmmaker themselves. Absolutely. and I always, you know, when I start watching the films, I'm constantly just starting to formulate the, the strategies that we're going to use and the things that we, you know, that we can actually talk about in a press release, that we can pitch to media. And, you know, the the media outlets that I know are going to be a really good match for, you know, for their film and are going to, you know, really appreciate doing an interview or a review. Yeah. So it's, it's a very personal, it's a very personal thing. It's, and it's always, you know, it's not a one size fits all. It has to really you know fit in with with the the filmmaker and so it's always you know personally tailored to their goals their film and you know their their goals going forward after the film oh roger that fantastic now is it worth seeking your services for a short film or are your services more beneficial for feature films well we've done short films and we've done feature films and i think either or really i mean you know it's i think the beauty of short films is that they have, you know, in and of themselves, they are enjoyable, but they have the potential that they can be, you know, they can be sort of fuel for a feature length Absolutely. Um, film of the short or um, that they're u- very useful for um, gaining funding, uh, you know, be it crowdfunding or equity funding or, or mm-hmm. whatever, that it gives, you know, you've got something there that you can say, well, here is my film. And look, we got these reviews, these glowing reviews, and we got, you know, we were there. We were, we actually had uh, one of my filmmakers, his first short film ended up being in a BuzzFeed article. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, around Halloween. And yeah. so that increased his views. And, yeah. you know, it was it was huge for him. So, wow. you know, it is beneficial because you just don't know what's going to happen. And you look at how many, you know, of the filmmakers that are out there now that are well known for their features that have done short films. Exactly. So true. You know, so, so yeah, it's, it's not so much the length as the content. Love that. You know. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. So, you know, it doesn't and it, matter. By the way, it sounded, I have to interrupt you. It sounded really yeah. cool coming from you, by the way. <laughs> you got the cool accent. So, but I probably have an accent to you, but it just sounded really cool. So, <laughs> not so much so, the length, yeah. but the content that matters. The content, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of interesting hearing your perspective of that because I think that might be a misperception too. And another thing to throw in there about short films and why they think they're valuable too as well, they uh, require less of a commitment and they can be shared rather easily online too as well. So, you know, people can watch a short film and like, you know, say it's a five minute film in five minutes, you don't have to take that hour and a half to really fully commit to an hour and a half or a two hour movie. You can really get a full vision out there very quickly and you know, there's not that massive commitment that's necessary for you to, to distribute the uh, the work and to get it into people's hands to watch. So, Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the, the filmmakers that we've worked with that have done shorts, it's, you know, it's such a, you know, it's such an undertaking yes. to be able to, you know, to be able to grab people's attention and really blow them away in, you know, less than a feature. Yeah. That takes a lot of talent. And, you know, I'm actually really pleased to say that I've seen a lot of really fantastic short films, yeah, me too. you know, since I started Film Sprites. Right. And it also, I mean, it's great because, you know, there are well-known actors that have done sh your really short films, yep. micro short yep. And, you know, it's just something that they can do, you know, in a day or something like that. And, you know, it, it adds to their portfolio and, you know, it's a great chance for the filmmakers to um, to work with, you know, name actors. You know, if, if you know the pe the right people, you can sort of, you know, hey, do you, have you got a day that you can, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. you, you can work with us? Right, right. So, so yeah. True. Yeah. Oh, God, I love short films. By the way, how do you approach your services from an actor standpoint, too? as well kind of briefly i mean i imagine the services are very similar but is there anything uniquely different that you would provide actors and really kind of um, inspire them to reach out to a company such as yours sure i mean in terms of actors it isn't all that different i mean we actually i have an actor on the books at the moment and it's knowing you know, what what part of the work is going to be really newsworthy and you know getting that out there but also you know providing the building of an audience and building a fan base wow and that's that's incredibly rewarding because you know you you're doing it from from a you know, grassroots level so you know if you've got an actor that say you know books a a big film you know a blockbuster yeah. and it is known from that they've got all these fans that can sort of say oh well we knew you know we knew him from day one which you know that's kind of cool that's for them. so but, awesome yeah yeah awesome. so and it, it's that sort of thing and you know securing interviews and yeah but it's more it's definitely more the audience building than anything else yeah. all the the media comes second because of the fact that you know if they're booked on a you know a big film or they've one you know a prestigious award or thing you know something like that then that's something that can be covered in the media that people will find interesting right. but yeah that, that audience building is key and that's you know building the awareness around their work and you know if they have a film that's coming out you know showing the trailers and and showing stills behind the scenes and also if they're not if they're not too sure about social media and how to how to use their social media to their advantage we can always guide them through that as well so that they can you know connect with their audience in a really genuine and authentic way and you know be seen wow it's fantastic Ooh, plethora of great reasons to uh to really <laughs> seek out your service as well wow. wonderful now i know i've kept you kind of long do you have a few more minutes 
I do. Oh, good. Thank you. I, I'm glad I have some more goodies here. What were some of your best accomplishments of the past year? Because, you know, this year has ended, and I believe you're even on a little break here until January 14th. So I uh, was kind of curious about what were some of your best accomplishments of this year. We did our first press junket this year. Yeah. It was actually, yeah, it was actually the start of this year. It was a Canadian documentary um, called Life Off Grid, and it had a limited release in New Zealand. We had the, the media day was the same day as the special advanced screening and Q&A session with the producer, Philip Vanini. So that was really exciting because it was, I was I felt quite proud that I was able to, you know, do something where I was bringing a film to my my home. Um, you know, <laughs> awesome. it just it, it was wonderful, and yeah. to re you know, it's great to be able to reach out. And you know, we got the film covered in the newspapers where the the film was going to be showing. There were people emailing me that because there were tug screenings as well that were available where you could you know screen on request a screening on demand. Wow. And we actually had. We actually had a few community groups and things like that reach out and want to screen the film in certain places, which was just wonderful. Yeah. And, you know, that was a highlight. It was such a, you know, it was such a great experience. Wow. Congratulations yeah. on that. That's fantastic. Thank you. It was, oh, it was just wonderful. And it was a great film as well. Um, yeah. You know, I think if you're into, it's it was a documentary as well, which, you know, that oh, yeah. was that was right up my alley, but yeah. <laughs> it was it was about how Canadians in every province had actually chosen to live their lives sustainably. Oh my! Um, it was yeah. This, it, people think that sustainability is you know you pop up a few solar panels and do some recycling and that's it. But you know you're talking about you know doing conversions in in their houses to you know to provide sustainable renewable energy. Wow. And, oh, it was just amazing. And it really resonated with, because, of course, New Zealand, we're very into, you know, uh, energy. the environment yep. and things like that. So it really resonated with the audiences that we had. So that was good. Wow. Yeah. Ooh, cool it, stuff. It was Ooh. wonderful. It was such goodness. a great experience. Goodness gracious. I actually, I also, um, I got... I assisted with the uh, the Kickstarter for a film called This Family. Yeah. And it's the second feature film from the director, D.R. Hood. Yeah. Whose first film, Wreckers, debuted at the London Film Festival in 2012. And it actually won the Perspectives Award at the Moscow Film Festival. Oh, my. And that film, Wreckers, had Claire Foy, who was in The Crown now on Netflix. Yeah. And Benedict Cumberbatch in it. Yeah. And... I, Wreckers was actually one of the one of the great inspirations to you know to sort of propel me forward in my career as well. It was just you wow. know I'm always constantly having to be inspired, and so it was such a privilege to work with Dr. Hood to help her on the on the second film. And that film is currently in post production at the moment. So oh, wow. watch this space; it's it's coming. <laughs> so, um, I love yeah, that so you're that, still working. Yeah. See, you're even working right now oh, on this yeah. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> always, always working. <laughs> I love that. Though. That's awesome. Yeah, and, Very um, cool. and just recently, the other week, we assisted with a crowdfunding campaign for a short film by a female filmmaker called Daphne Fisher. Mm, yeah, called Enough, mm -hmm. and she's aiming to shed the light light on the issues that women face with eating disorders and body image. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and she herself had a six year battle with an eating disorder. Wow. So 
it was something where, you know, we weren't going to be taking on any more work, but I dropped everything and said, right, we've, we've got to help. And we came on board and she had, I think she had about, probably about, I think it was about four and a half thousand to five thousand and five and a half thousand with a six thousand goal on oh, Kickstarter. Nice. And good. We, we, had, we had five days to go. And of course, Kickstarter being all or nothing. Yeah. We all just, you know, we rallied behind her and she reached the goal of six six thousand and we managed to help her raise an additional nine hundred and forty five dollars on top of that. So Oh my God. Yeah. It was really, really rewarding. And oh I think God. the most rewarding part of it was that people were reaching out and talking about the need to, you know, be aware of these things and, you know, the unrealistic standards around body image and you know, it started a conversation and that was just it was so good to see that people were rallying around her work and so you know i'm just thrilled that she is going to be able to you know to go forward and do this film and have such an impact wow that is stellar to say the least my gosh and it's so cool that you're able to really be a part of that whole success story there that's just i, I don't even know what to say about that outside of just wonderful 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 I mean, that is, that's what it's all about right there. It's got to feel good, though. I mean, this is, you know, we don't often get an opportunity to reflect, but I guess that's got to feel good, though, going into the new year, right? Oh, absolutely. And yeah. I think, you know, that was a really good way to sort of end the working year for me, you know. Yeah. It, it Outside was of something podcast, that, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you, know, um, you know, I had to say and that. I think, <laughs> and I think, you know, if for me, it was, you know, it was important. It was because I knew where Daphne was coming from because, you know, I've been very vocal about my struggle with the, you know, with post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. And, you know, there's such a stigma around around eating disorders, around mental illness and, you know, things of, of that ilk. And we need to start, you know, an open dialogue and say, look, this happens to people. It's okay. You know, people recover and there is hope. So, wow. you know, to able to help her was just it was just huge because I knew exactly where she was coming from and albeit you know it was in her case it was from an eating disorder and body image wow. perspective it was the same thing where you know she was being open about it so that there could be an open dialogue yeah it's yeah, so important the power of cinema right there at its finest that's for sure that is the power of cinema you know the, the types of open dialogues we can sort of cultivate through this medium is fascinating to say the least especially about really important issues as you said and even mental health that's such a that's such a massively important topic i know even as a man of color that's a very important topic and sometimes often considered taboo amongst uh, others of my ethnicity and i think that something that's very very important that we start to really take a better look at particularly from a um, help standpoint too as well resources standpoint understanding standpoint you know, just really as a society becoming more compassionate about these issues because they do happen and life is stressful and hard and there's a lot of difficult things that happen in people's lives and we often don't have the best mechanisms to uh, cope with those things. So it's really interesting hearing your perspective of that. There's some things I might have to talk to you about off air on that regard, but um, yeah, it's fascinating hearing some of your accomplishments in general, you know, this past year, it sounds like it's been a very productive year. So I appreciate you, you know, taking the time out to share that with our listeners. It's fantastic. Well, thank you for allowing me the opportunity to do so. It's just been a fantastic experience. So I'm really grateful. Oh, my pleasure. Bye. You know what? 
Lanier, there's something I need to do to you that I am going to tell you you are not going to be happy about, but maybe you will. But I think you're going to, I, I mean, see, you laugh about it now, but I think you're going to hate me for it. But I've got to do this. It's just something I have to do to all of my guests. And I'm going to ask you, hold on a second. Are you ready for it? I am. Oh, my goodness. See, for some reason, I thought for a second you'd be hesitant, but then you just dive right into things. Just like your company you dove right in. No business plan. You just, you know, you just made it happen. OK, so you're really confident about that. All right. Well, <laughs> Lanier, this is the part of the show where I ask our guests to share a fun fact about themselves. Now. Lanier, I, I need to hear a fun fact about you, something that you haven't shared with anybody else. And I'm going to put the spotlight on you. Oh, my. The floor is yours. A fun fact. <laughs> I'm just trying to think. Um, I have the best. I have the best nose in the world. Nice. Um, what? I can actually, yeah, I can actually, when it comes to things like perfumes, I can, I can tell every note from, you know, everything that's in that perfume, each individual note. Um, what? And when it, yeah. And when it comes to cooking, if I want to know a recipe, I can actually, you know, smell something and dissect exactly what it's got in it. Wow. Now yeah. that is a hell of a fun fact right there. What? Yeah. <laughs> that is cool. You know, I'm thinking about that. Blows my mind. First of all, I am a cologne connoisseur, so I love a good fragrance. And it's funny, ironically, I have a very strong nose, too. People always say that because I always, like, smell everything. I could smell, like, even a strange sense. Now, what you're doing is some superhero stuff right there. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> that's just, my superpower. Exactly. <laughs> I swear, there's, like, we're going to design an entire Marvel character <laughs> based on you. That is fantastic wow what like first of all are you into perfumes sorry does... oh yes i, I love perfumes yeah. i love colognes and yeah. um yeah i just i can tell every single note that's um, fantastic you know, yeah it's it's something that's been really interesting because when you first you know when you first spray on a perfume you you smell the the um you know the immediate notes but yeah. then of course as it mellows that's when all the other different scents right will sort of come to you and yeah it's just been something that i've picked up which tells me that i probably have way too many perfumes <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic they're cool though because like you said like your pheromones kick in and like you can smell different i don't know if they, uh, i always wonder if that's true because i can't smell them myself sometimes and i always wonder like how a certain cologne might smell differently on somebody than it does somebody else. So it's rather interesting that you said that. So like, for example, then, so like you could like, you could tell that something had like wood in it or, uh, you know, vanilla or something like that. You can really, or musk, musk is pretty popular, but you could actually pick that out. You could really individualize that particular note. Yeah. Um, we wow. actually, yeah, a few years ago, a friend of mine and myself, we, we were in the mall and yeah. we picked out a few, the, the scent strips 
and we sprayed them and she actually she tested me on on this individual notes and then we came back and googled the fragrances and what notes were in them and i was dead on you know <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy awesome i love that that is one of the most unique things i've ever heard but i have to imagine that once you go into now like a perfume store i don't know if you have sephora where you're at yeah. Oh, we've got Mecca Maxima, which is basically like Sephora. My goodness. Yeah. When you go in there, it's got to be like an explosion went off inside your nose. <laughs> like, oh, all those well, different you, scents. Yeah. I mean, they. it's <laughs> funny because they, um, you know, the the ladies will come up with colognes and, and fra fragrances and, you know, they, they will spray them on me. And all of a sudden, a, a story comes out with me it's like oh yeah you know this one oh i'm just seeing you know <laughs> and one of my favorite fragrances at the moment the first time i i sort of smelled it before i even sort of smelled the notes i it just evoked this whole all i could think was 1940s bookstore in england oh yeah Ooh, so like a woody yeah. smell like a wood like it, yeah it was very sort of it was um it was it had, um, you know, sort of a woodsy, musky yeah. undertone, but, there was, you know, there was notes of lavender and citrus as well. Ooh, so nice. A little spicy, yeah, but Very, soft. very nice. Ooh, that, that <laughs> does sound quite therapeutic there. Nice. Yeah. What's your favorite type of scent to wear? I think as I get older, I think it's it's probably, yeah, the more subtle, muskier but not overpowering. Whereas when I was younger, it was very much the, the very sweet scents. But I get bored with fragrances very easily. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm terrible. I have to get very small bottles of perfume. Otherwise, they just, you know, they, they're just wasted. <laughs> That's fantastic, though. You smell good. That is a wonderful thing i really appreciate folks that smell good that take the time out i think that says a lot you know even from a self-esteem standpoint i really think it's nice one and a confidence standpoint when people have a good scent and not too much you know just enough that's mm -hmm. uh that's nice you know that you're like hmm you know it kind of uh because i think you know as, as humans too there's something to be said about scent in general just our ability to smell things our smell changes our anatomy it really does like uh, it, like it just does something from a chemistry standpoint as soon as you smell something good it just starts your whole system in a overdrive it just really a wonderful thing so I, I think our ability to smell is probably one of our best abilities in general so that's fascinating yeah absolutely that's cool <laughs> yeah very very cool to say the least now we are approaching the end of the show and by the way I, again i appreciate you staying a little bit longer to hang out here Basically, I'm stealing you. Well, really, really for the lack of it. But I appreciate that. <laughs> Hopefully stealing you from some work. But yeah, what are your thoughts about, you know, the future of independent film in general and publicity? What changes do you, see, you know, foresee, I guess, in the upcoming years in general? Have you thought about that? Because obviously the market is changing quite a bit from a film standpoint and from the way people are seeking publicity. And I'm really curious to hear your perspective about the future of both. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's something that I think about quite a lot because, you know, I've always said that what I do now, you know, 10 years ago, it would have been impossible. There was would have been no way I could have done it in, in the scale that I'm able to do it. Yeah. And, you know, with things like the, the way that, um, you know, the availability of streaming now is going to be changing, you know, changing the way that filmmakers think about not just the content of their films, but the distribution of their films. You know, it's meant that with independent films, you are actually able to part, you know, you're 
able to, you know, bypass the middleman and you can actually self-distribute if that's where you want to go, you know, because we've got Vimeo now, Amazon Prime, Mm -hmm. things like that. So, you know, so that's huge from an independent standpoint. And I think, you know, we're also seeing, you know, there's been a lot of talk around VR and things like that in, in terms of filmmaking. Even just in the last six months, it's just, it's sort of had a, had an upswing. And that's not something that I have actually delved into and have that much interest or expertise in but yeah. it's something that I've I've had to be very aware of because you're always having to you know keep your you know keep your radar up and in terms of publicity you know the digital age has changed things in a really yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a good way because, you know, it's meant that the filmmakers can actually connect with their audiences straight away. That's, oh, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. just through social media. Right. Um, and, you know, I was reading an article in the Huff Post, you know, a few weeks ago that was saying publicity is changing because of the fact that, you know, it's not just traditional media now. People can can reach their audiences through social media and, you know, build up their audiences through social media. Right. And with the way newsrooms are changing around the world, we're seeing, you know, there's been so many layoffs and, and newsrooms are consolidating. There's less room in the newspapers for things. The way that people consume their media is changing. You know, it's changed so rapidly in the last you know last 10 years and will continue changing and so you know from my point of view you know i see it as you know it's a positive really positive time for independent film and i think you know i think independent filmmakers with the right support in terms of you know publicity and digital marketing assistance can really capitalize on the way that people are now you know viewing their films consuming their media and connecting with people on a you know on a daily basis Right. It's a really exciting time, you know, for for any filmmaker out there, you know, because you have an inbuilt audience, basically, you know, you can put that out there and it doesn't matter whether you're putting it out there to get with the intention of having, you know, some revenue back from it or you're just putting it up on YouTube, you know, that's that's huge. I mean, one of our filmmakers, you know, his film is on YouTube and that was the one that ended up, you know, being featured in a BuzzFeed article. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's it's a really exciting time for indie filmmakers. Yeah, I think it is too. Has that helped you, this social media era? Because obviously sending out a tweet really led to the genesis of your company, but being that you are in another part of the world, have you been able to connect with others particularly on other sides of the world and and help them from a distance. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's funny because I pretty much nowadays, the way that my, you know, my working day is set up is that I work in with predominantly US and UK timelines. That's awesome. So, you know, it can be a little bit exhausting, but yeah. um, actually yeah. the UK. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. How do you yeah. keep up with that from a sleep standpoint? Because I, I see um, you tweeting at like normal hours that I'm awake and I'm like, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it it can be it yeah. can be quite exhausting, but yeah, it's it, awesome. It's almost like having split shifts, really. Yeah, because I'm able to capitalize on the UK mornings and evenings, but also capitalize on you know the US time frame as well. So it's actually worked in really well That's because. Perfect. You know, I can connect with all sorts of people all over the world, no matter what time it is. So you know, the digital age has has allowed me and, you know, a whole lot of other entrepreneurs to do things that we 
couldn't have done 10, 20 years ago. And right. that's that's pretty exciting. I mean, you know, it's it's something that, you know, I, I mean, I enjoy it because it's a very social thing as well. You know, you're getting to connect with so many amazing people all around the world. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, yeah. not, it's not like being in an office where you see the same people day after day. So, right. yeah, it's, it's been a really, it's been such a great time just this, this past four years, just, you know, building things up and connecting with people. And, you know, so, yeah, it's, it's great. I love it. Oh, my God. Well, you can certainly hear you, the passion in your voice and your tone. And let me tell you, it is quite inspiring to say the least. And gosh, stop being so damn interesting because I have kept <laughs> you so long here. I know you're going to kick my butt. But before we wrap, feel free to plug anything you wish. Websites, Twitter, Facebook. How can people stay up to date with you and uh, really get in touch with you? Sure. Our main hub is definitely our website, which is www.thefilmsprites.com. And we are on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. And you can find us under those three at Film Sprites PR. And, you know, we're, <laughs> we're, we're all over there. So, you know, oh, if you're... If you're interested in any of those and you're regularly on those platforms, you'll find us there. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. F-I-L-M, Sprites. P as in Paul, R is in Robert, folks. Make sure you check out what Miss Lanier is doing because, um, gosh, it's a fantastic resource. Now, is there any advice that you would like to share with anyone who might be listening to this podcast? And maybe they don't know what to do next or maybe they want to do what you're doing right now but maybe they don't have the courage is there any advice that you would give that individual that might be listening definitely i think the one thing that i was always told I and mean, it's the one thing that's resonated with me and it's definitely follow your heart right right well said i love how you summed that up by the way in like what three words <laughs> uh, you've got this pr thing down <laughs> you know sometimes i get these really long answers and i'm like oh wonderful and then you just say it real quickly follow your heart <laughs> well Lanier, i have to tell you it's been a pleasure having you on the program and you know, coming on the show and sharing your world with our listeners it's just invaluable information and you know again i encourage our listeners to spread the word about the services that you're offering. I, I really do feel that it's a very valuable resource for people out there. And it's just wonderful hearing what you're doing with the independent film community and, you know, making your dream come true in others. And I think that takes a special type of person. So, you know, hats off to what you are doing and obviously continued success as you move forward. And again, I'd love to have you back in the future, you know, anytime you've got a success story or something like that, you make sure you send me an email and we'll uh, we'll share it with people because I think people need to see what's going on behind the scenes. And there's a lot of pioneers that work behind the scenes to make cinema uh, as wonderful as it is. And uh, you're certainly one of those individuals. So again, thanks so much for uh, coming on the show tonight. Well, thank you. It's been such a pleasure. I've had such a great time. Yay. Yay. You're going to cuss me out later, though. I know you are. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> Uh, you're wonderful. But again, I appreciate you taking a little bit of extra time out of your day. And gosh, I think it's time to uh, fade out here. What do you think? I think so, too. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was Lanier McDonald. My God, what a wonderful discussion this was. Make sure you check out her website, Film Sprites PR, and follow her, folks, because I tell you what, she posts some wonderful stuff and whew, you've got to. Make sure you stay in tune with what she's uh, 
doing and uh, reach out to her. You know, if you need some publicity, make sure you reach out to her. I'm sure she will guide you in the right direction. On that note, we will be back with more after this break. You are listening to the Cinema After Dark podcast. My name is Max Cole and I host this show. I want to thank you all for tuning in tonight and hopefully you are feeling inspired. It's been a wonderful time. If you're listening to the show, please subscribe. Just press that subscribe button in iTunes or if you're using that podcast app, subscribe to us. We would greatly appreciate that. Also, please spread the word about this show. Show someone the uh, Twitter account we've got there, Cinema After Dark, or show them our website at cinemaafterdark.com. Again, thank you all for tuning in tonight. You can also find us on Stitcher, Google Play, and on TuneIn, so you can listen to us one of many ways. Again, thanks for listening to this show. We'll be back with more shortly. And welcome back to tonight's show. Before we wrap, I want to thank our guest tonight, Miss Lanair MacDonald. What a wonderful discussion that was. Make sure you check out her website, you know, at filmspritespr.com. My God. I tell you what, there are some people out there that are doing some amazing things, and she is certainly one of them that can help you out. So make sure you check out what she's doing. Again, I want to thank you all for tuning in tonight. The show is not a show without you listening. So I really appreciate you tuning in tonight. Please spread the word about this show. Show someone how to access us on Twitter at Cinema After Dark. Show someone how to access our website at cinemaafterdark.com. With that said, dream big, be humble, work hard, and stay focused. Good night, everyone.